It's a new day. Yes, it is. Wakey, wakey. Time to get up. Good morning, citizens. Open at them. Rise and shine. This is your wake-up call, people. Come on, the coffee's on. We're going to get you guys circulating on Christian radio. I understand young people. I know what's hip. I know what's on. I know what's lit. I know what's fleet. What's up, my nerds? Nerds! I work with a bunch of nerds. I'm a nerd, and uh, I'm pretty proud of it. Rise and shine, nerds. Welcome to the Back Row Morning Show, part of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network and the official exclusive morning show for LTN Radio. I'm Radio Matt, the station manager for LTN Radio and chief radio nerd. I'm a husband, the father of two, with a third coming any day now, please Lord, a Green Lantern fan and a Funko Pop collector. Uh, Today on the show and this whole week, we're doing low-key shows. It's just me in the studio today, mainly because we weren't sure if we were going to be doing shows at all, because we are on Baby Watch 2021. Uh, This baby should have already come (laughs) by the time you hear this. And if it hasn't yet, I don't know what we're going to do. My wife might get a a knife and cut the baby out of her. She's sick of it. She's ready for this to be done. And uh, I don't blame her. I don't blame her because uh, I've carried around a big gut my entire life. And it's not fun. Uh, Not fun at all. (laughs) Hey, uh, for these low-key shows, we're kind of foregoing our main... uh, All our our special stuff. You know, all the the main... uh, fancy segments and whatnot and i'm just going to bring you some of the stuff that I, I like to talk about and i like to share and some weird news and stuff of that nature but today on the show our main topic is going to be the 19 best dc comics movies of all time yesterday i gave you the 19 worst here are the 19 best and you might be asking the question why 19 why 19 what's the significance well there's only been 38 movies so <laughs> 38 theatrical releases. So I'm basically giving you the bottom half and the top half. And uh, it's it's been fun putting these lists together for you guys. And so I hope you enjoy it. But before we talk about some of the best movies, uh, this, this segment of, of the show today, I'm going to reserve for a bit of a rant. So I saw uh, 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 Space Jam, A New Legacy. And... I'm normally very forgiving of movies, okay? And I'm, 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 I normally can find a whole bunch of stuff that I like about a movie that most people hate. <sighs> this one was difficult. Because I wanted to like it. I'm going to be honest. I really, really wanted to like it. Because I love the original Space Jam. Love the original Space Jam. But... There's just something about this movie that rubbed me the wrong way. First of all, when that original Space Jam came out, it was a monumental event because crossovers of this kind of nature, crossovers at all, were such a rare thing in movies where you had two people from completely opposite worlds uh like established properties even though you know michael jordan not technically a established property but he's an nba player so you know he's in sports and then looney tunes those are two big different things that just didn't happen all that often today crossovers are a dime a dozen 
you know, you, you'll have you'll have movies crossing over all the time, uh, different genres, different everything, characters from different movies. Like it's just a common occurrence in one form or another. So back then, that ha- Space Jam had that going for it. Like like Looney Tune movies before this and after this ha- always had celebrities or whatever, but they were always playing characters or they were like one off uh, jokes in the middle of longer movies. But this was an entire movie established around both Bugs Bunny and Michael Jordan. And it was a big deal. It was a big deal for a kid and for an adult. This was something new. This was something fresh. Now, yes, the storytelling was over the top in that original movie. It was goofy. Uh, The characters were dumb. The plot was idiotic. But at the same time, (laughs) at the same time, it was still... Something so new, so different, and so much better, in my opinion, than any other Looney Tunes property that had come before it. And there are a lot of things that I liked about this movie. Number one, I liked the goofball villains. I liked how big a role other basketball players played in the movie. I liked that the movie started off with Michael Jordan. Well, I mean, it started off with Michael Jordan as a kid going through a list of everything you wanted to do. But as we flash forward to the present, it started off with Michael Jordan sucking at baseball, but everybody pretending to like him. Like he, <laughs> like one of the best lines ever is, you know, he strikes out. And one of his teammates says, you look good when you strike out, man. When I strike out, I look awful, but you look good. Like, <laughs> that's so silly. They had the, the catcher of the other team telling him, what is coming next for a pitch? So curveball, don't swing. Come on. I mean, it's great. It is great. And you can tell that Michael is humble about it. He doesn't like this stuff. He, When he's told not to swing, he swings anyway and strikes out. He's in a position where he's doubting his life choices, doubting what he's doing right now. He needs redemption. And that's what this movie kind of brings about. It brings about redemption. His acting is not great. Again, I told you the story is not fantastic. But the soundtrack, out of this world, the the jokes, the Looney Tunes stuff, all phenomenal. The new character, Lola Bunny, iconic from the moment she walked on that court. Like, it's, it's just a really fun movie that's relatively easy to follow had a lot of good laughs it was a a childhood defining movie flash forward to this one space jam 2 has been a theoretical possibility for decades it feels like ever since that first one came out we open up space jam a new legacy not a direct sequel. They barely mention the original uh, at all. And look, let's do the spoiler warning thing, because I'm going to start talking about some things that I hate that you might not want to know. So, spoiler warning. If you don't want to hear about the movie, turn it off for a little bit. Come back in 10 minutes. But <laughs> this, this movie starts out, again, with uh, LeBron James now as a kid. But it's about him wanting to play a Game Boy, which, gosh, makes me feel old. But he's playing a Game Boy, and someone takes it away. His dad, I guess, takes it away from him and says, you got to play basketball. Okay. 
And that's the big setup. And then fast forward to like what felt like 30 solid minutes of how LeBron James is the best basketball player of all time. He's untouchable. You can't beat him. He's the king. He's the greatest person on the planet. He's the only one that could be our spokesman, all this kind of stuff. And then you see him with his kids, and his kids are good at basketball, except for his youngest kid, who's not so good at basketball, and he wants to develop video games. And LeBron James doesn't understand that. And that's the whole plot of the movie right there. LeBron James, king of the world, doesn't understand a single, doesn't understand one singular thing about his child. That's the plot driven force. That's, that's the whole story. And that's the teeny tiny itty bitty redemption that he has to chase for this movie letting his kid play video games instead of basketball. It's not about LeBron James, really, because that's every parent. Every parent doesn't always understand what their kids want to do. This is just, hey, listen, Dad. And that's it. That's the only lesson they're trying to teach. There's nothing else LeBron James can learn. (laughs) There's no other redemption that he needs because he's the king. (laughs) So that just, it feels very self-serving. It feels very uh, uh, vain. I don't know. I don't like it. I didn't like the way it started. Even the bad guy of the villain. I mean, even even the villain of of the movie is hyping up how great LeBron James is. I just... I just can't. There were some cameos by some other basketball players, um, which came about in a weird fashion. Maybe I didn't understand it, but somehow they were all playing in the same game, yet two of them were women. And I don't think that happens. And I'm not, I'm not talking about the game with the cartoons or anything. I'm talking about the game where all their like footage is is captured for this kid's video game. Like they were all playing in the same game, wearing the same jerseys. I'm not sure that happens. But anyway, that aside, uh, that can be forgiven just for time's sake, I guess. That's all we see of them. Like they're not they're not other characters. Like, you know, in the worst one, we had, we had uh, Charles Barkley, we had Larry Bird, we had Patrick Ewing, we had uh, uh, Muggsy Bogues. We had all these, all these basketball players have their own little like side story about if they were going crazy or whatever because all their talent was stolen and they weren't fantastic actors either but it did make for some very funny scenes very cool stuff we didn't really get that here we got a little scene about hey yeah that's cool i'll be in your video game and that was that was about it then the the villains were made to kind of look like them and i don't know they might have been voiced by them maybe and that would make it a little bit better i don't know if that's true or not and then uh, WB does what WB does, and they just went overboard. They they created a crowd by pulling in every single property that they own. We saw a crowd with the Iron Giant, with it, with just, just normal people too, but just just everything, everything that they could get their hands on 
to put in this there, the matrix people, just all, all everything WB crammed into the crowd of this. Some for gags and some just because just so someone could say, Hey, I recognize there's Pennywise right there on the corner. Why isn't he eating the children? You know, it's, it was, it was strange. Now, could that be a cool moment for kids today? Um, maybe, but again, like I said, crossovers happen all the time now. And so that might've just felt a little, um, over the top, heavy handed a bit. I don't know. I don't know. It was weird. And, uh, the game, uh, <laughs> the game also progresses much more illogically than it's easy to follow. Like Space Jam, you know, the movie, the game was whack and, and nuts as well, but it still kind of felt like a basketball game. This goes off the rails and quick. There's a rap battle that actually scores points in the middle of this basketball game. By the way, could we never have a rap battle ever again? In any situation, can nobody, can, can we stop? If you're not a professional rapper, can you not rap ever again in any movie or TV show? Because it's really painful. I had to sit there and watch Porky Pig rap battle. That happened to me. And I can never unsee it. <laughs> I mean, the ending of the movie's fine. Uh, there's, there's heartwarming moments. There's funny moments. Don't let me, don't let me convince you that it's unsalvageable. I'm sure that if you go in with a much more open spirit than I have right now, you can enjoy the movie. And I hope you do. Uh, I just, I don't know. There was something about this one that just, I could not get behind it. I could not. And I really wanted to. And uh, I really think it started with the way they set the tone at the beginning. There, there was no humility here. There was, there was very little humility while the tone for the original Space Jam was nothing but humility. And so that's, that's, that's what started it for me. And I could not get over that or get past it. And it colored everything in a negative light moving forward. My final criticism of the movie uh, ties into WandaVision. So here's a spoiler warning for that, too, because I'm about to ruin something if you haven't seen that. So WandaVision, we had uh, uh, Quicksilver show up, right? And it was the X-Men Quicksilver actor. I think Evan Peters is his name. Um, And this set up this whole thing about, oh, my gosh. Is, is this where we start to see the X-Men collide with the MCU? Like, is this is this the world building? Is this the crossover? Is this how it starts? And we have this whole thing, and then we get to that last episode, and we find out, no, he's just some random dude that uh, Agatha Harkness used to trick Wanda, whose name is Ralph Boner. And uh, it was a gag. It was a gag. It was supposed to be a funny thing, but a lot of people kind of took heavy offense to it because they were so excited and their their emotions and their hopes and their dreams about what's going to happen with the crossover and the X-Men got, well, used for a boner joke. And I feel like that's exactly what happened in a certain scene in this movie 
during the halftime scene. Halftime of the first Space Jam, we have this big inspirational thing and the secret stuff and all this, and they come back out and kill it. Halftime of this Space Jam, someone says they found Michael Jordan in the audience. And they lead up this huge thing. And that's always been the question. Is Michael Jordan going to show up at all in this movie? Because that is something that you definitely want to see, especially if you have were a fan of the first movie. If you were a kid when that first movie came out, you want to see Michael Jordan, even if it's just for a split second, be in this new film. And so they build it up and they have him in the shadows and he's walking out into the locker room and it's Michael B. Jordan, the actor, Michael B. Jordan. From, uh, I guess, Black Panther. That's the only thing I can think of off the top of my head. He was Killmonger in Black Panther. I mean, <laughs> I get it. It's a gag. It's fun. But it's a painful gag. It's a painful gag. It's a stab in the heart of everybody who is hoping beyond hope for this. That it would be one of the, the movie-defining moments. They're like, not really. You thought you thought his airness would be here, but nope. That's not really him. And Michael B. Jordan had nothing to say, but hey, I'm watching. It's fun eating popcorn, blah, blah, blah. Get out of here, Michael B. Jordan. All right. That was it. It was the Ralph Boner moment of Space Jam A New Legacy. That's that's kind of the feeling I just get from the entire movie. The entire movie was a boner joke. And, uh, yeah, that's where I sit. I hope, I hope you nerd out on that movie and you love it far better than I did. Uh, currently, I believe the critics agree with me. I think the score at Rotten Tomatoes is sitting at about 37%. Um, let's, while, while we're, hey, let's do that live. Let's just check right now. Rotten Tomatoes Space Jam New Legacy is sitting at where are we at? Where are we at? Thirty percent. Whew. Audience score though is pretty high, eighty-one percent. So you know that's fine. If you if you find yourself in that that uh that eighty-one percent, then I'm I'm happy for you. Let's see what the original Space Jam is. Is it even on here? Space Jam, there we go. Original Space Jam. Don't break my heart here. 44% <laughs> on the tomato meter. So only, only 14% better. But uh, I think that was the critical 14% in my opinion. Uh, I needed that 14%. <laughs> All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we got some weird news. And then later in the show, the 19 best DC Comics movies. Stick around. Have you ever been around another person who used a word or phrase that you were absolutely certain that you should know, but you didn't? Well, of course you have. Hey, don't worry, nerd, because we've got some great news for you. You're about to learn something brand new, and this will be useful. Not like that throwaway knowledge like math or science. This is the real world, bub, and you need to be able to hold your own in a nerdy conversation. So pull up a chair and pay attention, because LTN's got another nerdy definition for you. This week's definition is JRPG. 
This term is rooted in more conjecture and subjective opinion than it is in objective truth. One person could describe a game as the best JRPG that they have ever played, while another one could say that that has nothing to do with anything that would make that game a JRPG. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Is a tomato a fruit? Is Pokemon the best anime ever created? Is The Legend of Zelda a JRPG? These are the true mysteries of the universe. But much like a great mystery, there is no clear answer to set your mind at ease. There are two major schools of thought when it comes to talking about what makes a JRPG. The first is that the game needs to be made in Japan, obvi, and have true RPG elements. This is the gray area. These things could include, but are not limited to, leveling systems, specializations, Japanese art influence, and story. The other school of thought is that the game actually can be made in the West so long as it draws off of Japanese cultural influences. Now, if a game falls into either of these ambiguous categories, you can argue that it is a JRPG. That doesn't mean that it is, but like I said, you can argue. So, the next time someone starts talking about JRPGs, you can at least toss your hat in the ring because, well, you understand that reference. Kind of. Well, as much as anyone else does, that is. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt, and it's a low-key week. It's just me in the studio today. Uh, that also means we're not recording live on Twitch this week, but hopefully we will next week or at least the week after that for certain. Uh, but our, our thing has changed. The way we do Twitch has changed. Instead of recording just our Tuesday show, our full show uh, on Twitch, we are recording the first two segments of all three of our weekly shows. Uh, so it's all the fun bits, and then we save the meat segment for just the radio. And uh, so far, it's been working pretty pretty good our first week went really really well and so that's going to be our setup for at least the foreseeable future and if you would like to be a part of that then you should go follow us at ltn on air i'm sorry at twitch.tv slash LTN on air and also join our discord the back row buds at backrowdiscord.com so you can actually be a part of the show if you'd like to be uh yeah and uh, we also do some special stuff on twitch that's you know it's it's only for video uh like our taste test that's only on our video platforms and we'll put that on twitch we'll put that on youtube we'll put that on tiktok eventually as well uh so follow us uh all those places at the back row ltn youtube.ltnonair.com twitch.ltnonair.com just you know follow us everywhere man because that's because we're everywhere we're everywhere you want to be let's do some quick uh, uh interesting news uh, depending on how you look at it. And look, we, we promise we're not going to focus an entire show on COVID anymore. But, um, well, scientists have found viruses that are nearly 15,000 years old, they say, in two eye samples taken from the Tibetan plateau in China. Uh, most of those viruses, which survived because they had remained frozen, are unlike any viruses that have ever been cataloged to date. And, well, I'm sure everything's going to be just fine. Uh, 
This totally doesn't sound like a uh, sci-fi novel about to unfold and unleash on us all. Right? Right? They've analyzed the ice. They found genetic codes for 33 viruses. At least 28 of them are novel. About half of them seemed to survive at the time they were frozen, not in spite of the ice, but because of it. Even better. Seems like these viruses are specialized in surviving cold conditions so they can be super infectious during the winter. <laughs> Yay. What could go wrong? And, uh, I mean, they're, they're going to defrost them, right? They're going to defrost them. This is the beginning of the movie. This is the pre credit sequence. Now, since this is in Tibet, it's not technically in China, right? 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 And hopefully the wonderful Communist Party won't be able to get them across the continent to Wuhan to start doing gain-of-function research without anyone noticing. The viruses seem to be soil and plant-based, meaning they likely did not originate or thrive in humans and animals. That doesn't mean that can't happen. Doesn't mean mutations won't occur. We're still dealing with COVID. And, uh, yeah, just in, thought, just in case you thought we were all good with the COVID thing. It seems that uh, COVID numbers are rising again in America, largely like 96% of which in unvaccinated people. And, uh, well, apparently the Biden administration is uh, considering everything, including putting masks back on everybody. And I mean everybody. It doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or not. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how that'll go down. Do you think... Do you think that now, just now, as the world, or at least America, is getting used to not having these masks again and getting vaccinated because they they wanted to go back to living their life normal will stand for having to wear masks again? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think anybody will voluntarily go back to that life especially when the science does not seem to support this at all. 96% of new cases are in unvaccinated. So fine. Uh, most places still require unvaccinated people to wear masks. You can't put them back on everybody. And I understand the reasoning. The reasoning is, well, if, we, if we're allowing some people to not to, then, well, people that are unvaccinated are going to just lie and say they're vaccinated and walk in without the mask anyway. Uh, okay, that's the choice they're making. That doesn't harm any of the vaccinated people. We're all vaccinated. And if the choice that they're making is to not wear a mask while they're unvaccinated because they're not afraid of COVID, then that's their choice to make. At this point, it is a personal responsibility issue. The government has no need to intervene because this is the choice they're making. All right? That's where we're at. And we can't go any further than that. But that's all I'm going to say about it because I don't want to get riled up. We're going to take another break. When we come back, we're going to have some fun. It's the best, the 19 best DC Comics movies of all time. Let's go. it aside. Imagine this. I've just given you $20 and said you're in charge of figuring out dinner tonight. It has to be homemade and it has to feed the entire family. 
You find a recipe that sounds good, make a trip to the grocery store for all the necessities, bring it home and put it all away until it's actually time to prepare the meal. In the meantime, a member of the family was feeling the effects of hanger and made a mad dash to the pantry for a quick snack. Their quick snack, however, was an ingredient you just purchased for your meal, a crucial piece of the puzzle that cannot be substituted without a noticeable change in the outcome. Let chaos ensue. What if I told you you are that crucial ingredient, that you are handpicked and chosen for a specific reason to you? Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. How comforting to know we were created with a purpose. No mistakes were made, no alterations needed, but more importantly than that, he set us apart, pulled us aside and placed us where we would be safe until our time for purpose had come. If you had only set your ingredients for tonight's meal aside and separate from the rest of the food, our dinner may not have come with as much stress and frustration. Those ingredients would be safe, not mistaken for something they're not. Remember your purpose. Even when we aren't fully sure of what's to come, don't forget you've been set apart by the creator of all things for a purpose specific to you. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show. I'm Radio Matt. And uh, remember that we air first exclusively on LTN Radio, ltnonair.com, every Monday through Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 10 a.m. But if you miss a day or just can't catch the show live, find the Back Row Morning Show podcast version on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Subscribe, rate five stars, and leave a review. Do it, and we'll love you forever. Now, let's get down to business. It's the main topic of the day, and it's the one of the funnest things I've done in recent memory. It is time to rank the 19 best DC Comics movies ever. We're going to start at the bottom and go all the way up to the top. Number 19, Batman the Movie from 1966. Adam West. <laughs> I mean, come on. The original, the original Batman iteration. Sure, it was campy as all get out. This movie, though, kind of the culmination of the series, uh, the best of the series all wrapped up into one movie. <laughs> it's just a timeless delight. Uh, like, this isn't a serious movie at all. And that's okay. Adam West is winking at Batman, <laughs> winking at this coalition of villains uh, that can't stop cackling maniacally it's it is it's it's almost a perfect parody of what we see today with dc comics movies of, of the darkness around it <laughs> it's uh it's fantastic it has so many amazing gags and tropes the uh the some days you just can't get rid of a bomb scene <laughs> One of the most iconic things of all time. Uh, like, don't go if you haven't seen this movie. You have to watch it. I don't care how old you are or how young you are. You have to watch this movie. Uh, but go into it knowing this is not the DCEU. This is not Batman Begins. This is not uh, Justice League. This is not what you're thinking. This is <laughs> pure fun. 
Let's just put it that way. It's pure fun, and I think you'll enjoy it. Number 18, and we'll go ahead and uh, pair in number 17 with it because they are two movies in a series. Uh, 18 is Red 2, and 17 is Red. Uh, first of all, did, did you even know that the two Red movies were DC Comics movies? I'm, I'm willing to bet you didn't. But uh, the cast, this is, this is, <laughs> this kind of reminds me of the Expendables, except with all of our favorite, like, good actors, <laughs> instead of all of our favorite, like, action heroes. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're, the movies are basically the same. I mean, they're not, they're not, the sequel doesn't, you know, improve on the, the original, but they're both pretty much fun they're not you know they're not iconic they're not they're not going to be like making your your list of your favorite movies ever but it's such a great cast the the action is fun everybody's having a good time i mean just it's a it's a delight it's a joy number 16 is Zack snyder's Justice League, otherwise known as the Snyder Cut, something that they swore didn't exist <laughs> and that this movie could never be made. And then suddenly HBO Max really needed to sell subscriptions and they're like, okay, well, maybe we can get it done for you. Uh, look, this is one of those rare instances, very rare instances where we, ha we as the fans have willed something into existence that they would have never released otherwise. <laughs> I'm still kind of in awe that it happened. And for that reason alone, it makes me want to love it even more. So I might even be trying harder to love this movie than uh, I generally would. If this if this had released in theaters as, as it was, I might not have loved it as much. But because I feel like I played a part in bringing it into existence, <laughs> I love it. Look, it is, it's obnoxiously long. I understand that. For four hours <laughs> but the upside of the four hours is that it does really give the time necessary to flesh out this story it makes so much more sense than the weird joss whedon theatrical cut uh it is it is zach snyder in his purest form uh, whether or not you think that's a good thing is up to you. <laughs> it's a really cool movie to watch. Uh, it's it's very uh, original in that sense that it, it's like in six parts uh, that it could be viewed as a miniseries made into a movie. Uh, and, you know, it might not be the best story. It might not be the best anything, but it certainly raises the bar from the original Justice League that came out in theaters. Like this is much closer to what I wanted as a kid than what we saw in theaters. And so I loved it and I watched it a couple times. It's, I'll probably watch it a few times more. I enjoyed it. Haven't watched the, um, the, the black and white version. Might try that one next, uh, which just feels even more Zack Snyder-esque. Uh, the only thing that's bad about this movie is that it does a lot of setup for a continuing story that's never going to happen. Like that, that would be a whole new production and that's never going to happen uh, because WWE, WB is going in a completely different uh, direction. 
with the DCEU for better or for worse, which we'll talk about more tomorrow. Um, but it's just, yeah, that, that makes me sad. The ending scene that's supposed to be showing stuff that's happening in the future, uh, the end credit scene, you know, it looks so good. <laughs> like, oh, I want to see that. I want to see how this happens. Superman being used by Darkseid, uh, this ragtag team of heroes and villains trying to save the planet. Like, I want to see that movie. I want to see Zack Snyder's version of the DC universe, which would have had a definitive ending, you know, with the last of the, I think, three Justice League movies he had planned. Like, couldn't we have just gone through the whole thing and then you could have rebooted it after that instead of this constant stop start. But anyway, this is where we're at. Uh, and I guess that's fine. This is enough. Uh, for me. So if you haven't seen it, definitely see it. Number 15 is Batman Forever. Uh, this is where the tone shifted in the, the Batman movies from Tim Burton's kind of dark weirdness to a more kind of campy dark weirdness <laughs> that went full bore in Batman and Robin, which was on our list of worst DC movies yesterday. Uh, this one, I mean, this was not, <laughs> again, not the best <laughs> by any means, but it has so much more to love about it. Uh, of course, you have the two iconic villains played by two icons of Hollywood. Jim Carrey as the Riddler? Yes, please, all day. Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face having what seems like more fun in this role than in any other movie he's ever been in. Yeah, I'm down for it. It was weird. It was fun. Uh, it saw the introduction of uh, Robin in this movie. Like, it, <laughs> uh, it's just, it's a good time. It's a good time, man. Number 14, Superman Returns in 2006. This was Brian Singer's attempt to continue on the Christopher Reeve Superman story, uh, which uh, was also kind of weird because it, it, it tried to erase Superman 3 and 4 from existence, which I'm fine with, but you, you just can't really do that. You know, you can't erase it from happening. Uh, it, it really tried. It really tried to be... <laughs> the next step. Unfortunately, this was Brandon Routh's first movie, and he just—he didn't hit the mark, man. He didn't hit the mark that Christopher Reeve hit. Uh, and it's really hard to compare yourself to Christopher Reeve, too. Uh, he had the look. I mean, I was surprised by the look. Uh, he, he did look very similar to Christopher Reeve in this movie. I, I could have believed it. It's a shame that it wasn't higher up on this list because I really wanted it to be. I was stoked for this movie uh, back in 2006. I was just beyond stoked. Uh, and Ralph has gotten so much better in years. You compare him in Superman Returns to him as Christopher Reeve Superman in the uh, uh, Arrow versus Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover event from a couple years ago. I'm like, oh man, that gave me a taste for what he could have been. And wow, wow, it would have been fun. It would have been fun if they'd committed to this and kept going. But that's a problem that DC Comics has, or rather Warner Brothers has with their movies, is they don't 
they don't commit to them even when they have a bad one. You know what I mean? Like, if, uh, if the MCU decided to just change everything because of Thor the Dark World, <laughs> then we wouldn't have gotten Thor Ragnarok. You know what I mean? So you have a bad one. Stick with it and try and make it better the next time. Eventually, you'll get there. Nobody loves Thor the Dark World, but they'll, they'll watch it because it's a part of an overarching story that they do love. So, yeah. <laughs> Number 13, Batman Mask of the Phantasm. You might not remember the fact that this animated DC movie was actually a theatrical release. I'm not putting any of the other animated movies on here from DC Animation because those are all direct to video. This actually went to theaters. Uh, it's it, you know it get it gets lost among the live action Batman movies, but it's better than most of them. DC Animation uh, movies are are often very very good like dc knocks their animated movies out of the park which is so unfortunate that you don't know many of them exist because they're all quote unquote direct to video or i guess now direct to hbo max uh but if you have not watched like go find a list online of some of the best dc animated movies and just go start watching them you will not be disappointed uh and this is a good one to start on mask of the phantasm from 1993 Number 12, another animated movie, but not in the same vein. This is the Lego Batman movie. Uh, <laughs> like, some of y'all aren't fans of the Lego movies, and I understand that. But uh, I loved the Lego. This one is probably my favorite of the Lego movies. <laughs> it is, it's funny, it's sweet, it's self-deprecating, uh, <laughs> especially to the Batman movie franchises. Uh, and uh, it came... In the wake of Batman vs. Superman, and so it was something that we all needed to kind of fall in love with DC movies again. Uh, it's it's fun. This this Lego version of the Joker, <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs> we don't talk about the two boats. <laughs> I mean, it's good. It's good. If you haven't watched it, get your kids, get your family, and watch this movie. Number 11 is Superman 2. I'm combining the original version and the Donner cut in this because they're both pretty good. They're both pretty good movies. Um, I mean, it, it made kids everywhere cry because Superman gave up his powers in this movie. You know, he, 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 he gave up his powers for a normal life with Lois Lane. Uh, I mean, it didn't didn't end that way but i'm trying not to be all spoilery here but uh it's just a good movie it's a good movie i mean it, it's dated of course it's dated uh it's 1980 i mean it's a it's an old movie at this point but it's uh it's christopher reeve at his near best as superman uh definitely worth a watch i prefer the donner cut for the record Number 10 is Wonder Woman 1984, uh, just from last year. It's, uh, okay, it's not as great as the first movie, uh, which we'll talk about here in a bit, because uh, it's definitely on the list. 
but it's still a pretty good time. Like, for some reason, the Wonder Woman movies have taken on the role of the hopeful fun movie that was typically reserved for the Superman movies, you know? And I, I complained yesterday about Man of Steel and, and how just, you know, the Superman seems less hopeful, whether his character or just like the, the tone of the movies in general, while Wonder Woman, much the opposite. The heroic, hopeful, fun, uh, <laughs> trying to save the world in more ways than just physically kind of character. And uh, I liked this version. It's a little weird uh, and a, and a kind of different take on Max Lord as well, but not a bad one. Pedro Pascal was, was pretty good in that role, in my opinion. Not everybody loved it, but I loved it. And, uh, you know, his kind of semi-redemption scene at the end with his boy kind of made me cry and maybe that's just a parent thing but uh yeah i uh mm, mm, i'm gonna cry right now just thinking about it it's a pretty good movie has some weird plot holes and uh radar doesn't work like that but yeah you gotta forgive some of this stuff number nine and look this one surprises even me that i'm putting it this high on the list but birds of prey also from last year uh, or the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Uh, much better than Suicide Squad. Really fun. Uh, sensory overload, but typically in all the right ways for most of the movie. Uh, a lot of action. Probably, probably some of the best action in all the recent DC movies. The storytelling is a bit of a mess. <laughs> but all that aside, the the cast, the the acting, the the, the fun bits, it's just it was, it was a good it was a romp. It was a romp. Like seriously, if you if you didn't want to take this movie seriously because it looked befuddled and the title is just a, a, a train wreck, I understand, but give it a shot. Number eight, we jump back to Wonder Woman. Now, this is Wonder Woman numero uno from 2017. Uh, it, it does suffer from the the standard, uh, there's, there's too much origin story to cram into one movie <laughs> kind of thing. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of the best dang superhero movies I've ever seen. Like it's so good. And I'm I'm one of the guys that didn't care all that much about Wonder Woman. Like I understand she's part of the like the DC Trinity of of big superheroes, but you know, growing up, I didn't really care much for her character. I didn't really care much for Batman either, honestly, which I know makes me wrong. Uh, I was big on Superman, The Flash, and Green Lantern. Those were those have been my three favorites. I like the colorful, hopeful superhero dudes. Uh, Wonder Woman was kind of secondary to me, along with Batman. This movie, though, made me fall in love with the Wonder Woman story. Uh, I I, <laughs> I dig it. Like it, it, the the scene where she walks through you know no man's land during that battle goosebumps dude literal goosebumps 
Loved this whole thing. I'm not, I'm also not a big fan of movies that take place like in the past, you know, like Captain America, the first one was not my favorite movie. I don't know why I'm like that. I just am. I prefer the now, but I really, really like this movie. I liked it. I like the chemistry with uh, Chris Pine and everything. It's just, it's all good. All good stuff. Little, little flaws to nitpick at. Overall, they're meaningless in the overarching scheme of things because it's a great movie. Number seven, Superman the movie from 1978. Yes, it's this is a oldie, oldie but a goodie. This is that's the that's this is the definition of oldie but a goodie. It's the gold standard of Superman movies. It was the best Superman movie bar none for years. John Williams' score was fantastic and compelling. We saw an amazing romance between Superman and Lois Lane. You saw that that scene where they f they fly together. It's one of the most beautiful metaphors for new love ever captured on film. Gene Hackman's version of Lex Luthor is fun. It it blends that campiness of those early superhero um, things <laughs> media <laughs> with you know real theatrical storytelling. Like it's it was just oh so good so good. Now, I don't know how well it'll translate to this to newer generations. I don't know. It might be too slow. It might be too, uh, I don't know, campy. It might be too unrealistic. But if nothing else, it should serve as a history lesson on where true superhero films got their start. Number six, Batman Returns, Michael Keaton's second outing as the Dark Knight. Uh, also the second Tim Burton-fueled Batman movie. Uh, Danny DeVito as the Penguin, who emerges from the sewer and runs for mayor of Gotham. <laughs> it's, it's a political thriller, really. <laughs> and it's great. It's really good. I can't, I, I could sit here and list a thousand things as to why this is a great movie. It's just one you gotta see, man. So good. Such a good movie. Number five is Constantine. Uh, one that I did not know was a DC Comics movie uh, when it first came out. It's a, a good balance of like the serious and the ridiculous. Keanu Reeves, of course, is just you know, he's Keanu Reeves. He's Keanu Reeves. He plays the same character in every movie, and that character is Keanu Reeves. And the good news about that is, is that's a great character. <laughs> it manages to find exactly the right tone for this weird kind of religious fantasy story. Uh, I mean, everybody who made this movie seemed to get the movie, you know? Like nobody was going in there blind, not knowing what this was. It's just another day at work. Like this was a, a well-intentioned, well-focused, well-made movie. Number four, The Dark Knight. Now I might catch a little heat here for it not being number one. And I, I get that. It's a really good movie. Heath Ledger's Joker, far and away the best villain in any DC movie, maybe any superhero movie ever. He elevates what would otherwise just be 
a kind of basic Batman movie. Uh, it's <laughs> the, the Joker himself tends to be enough to elevate this movie in the brains of everybody else. But there are a lot of flaws in the movie. <laughs> and the movie is a bit too long. And it's a little Nolan self-indulgence. <laughs> but all that being said, most of that stuff is, is forgettable and forgivable because of how good Heath Ledger's Joker is. And honestly, I'd have watched it if it was twice as long, if that meant twice as much scenes with Heath Ledger's Joker. So, yeah. I'm sorry it's not number one, but it's number four is no no space to uh, sneeze at. So, get off my back is what I'm saying. It's a great movie. Number three is Shazam. Who'd have thunk it, right? This, this, this Superman ripoff that both Marvel and DC Comics at one point claimed ownership to used to be called Captain Marvel, if you recall, up until very recently. Uh, <laughs> it, it, Zachary Levi, Chuck, the long gangly dude from the nerd herd. He's Shazam! In a movie where he can't even say his own name without getting hit by lightning. It had some of the grossest bad guys ever in it. But holy cow, if this wasn't one of the funnest, coolest superhero outings I have ever experienced. And now I've experienced it multiple times. It's such a good movie. <laughs> it pokes fun at superhero movies in all the right ways. It, it does some of the superhero tropes better than most movies. It is funny and dark at the same time. It is such a good cast from the children up to the adults. All of them fantastic. The story makes sense. There is very little that you have to apologize for in this movie. It is such a well-made movie. It has made me really look forward to the sequel coming up and the side sequel with The Rock coming up. I mean, I'm just, I, I want all of it. I want all the Shazam. I want all the Zachary Levi. Also, Zachary Levi is a believer, and so that makes me uh, that makes me even more happy that we got a we got a we got a God boy uh, defeating the seven deadly sins. <laughs> oh, it's it's great. It's poetic, right? And in another installment of Who to Thunk It, number two on this list is Aquaman. Aquaman, the butt of fish jokes aplenty for all time. Somehow, DC made Aquaman dope. <laughs> He's so cool. How is he the, the bad A character in 
a series with Batman and Superman and all these other characters. He's the big, the, the threat, the muscle looking guy, the guy that people are afraid of. I mean, it's full on ridiculous. And this movie is also full on ridiculous and it knows that it's full on ridiculous because it has to tell the story of Aquaman that is profoundly silly in a serious way to keep the serious version of this character going and it pulls it off it pulls it off spectacularly james wan did a fantastic job with this movie jason momoa is fantastic as arthur curry it's such a i'm smiling through this whole thing it is such a good movie how can you not gush about it such a big surprise who cared about aquaman ever before this he was always the afterthought of the justice league series like just no big bang theory made the point where nobody wants to be aquaman they they went as justice league one year and made uh whatever care i don't even remember their names but made the one guy that always is the butt of jokes be him and he's riding on a seahorse like it's a aquaman is a joke and they did so good Com the comic books have been trying to make aquaman cool for years they cut his hand off and gave him like a a fish spear hand kind of thing what is it what are they called uh, the the harpoon like a harpoon hand they gave him like a water hand <laughs> they they tried to make him cool for years and that has only impressed a few people but this movie did it the impossible it just oh wow i'm still in it's been it's been what three, four years since this movie came out, I'm still in shock of how good Aquaman is. Aquaman's one of the best parts of the Justice League movies as well. Like just, who'd have thunk it? And number one on the list, uh, if you haven't already guessed by the fact that it hasn't been on either of these lists yet, is Batman Begins from 2005, Christopher Nolan's and Christian Bale's uh, initial set out on uh, what would become the Dark Knight trilogy, which overall, probably the best contained story within the DC Universe uh, set of uh, media. It's so, so well made and so over the top. But Batman Begins, it, it's, it's, it's a complete film. It's, it's like Batman's not even a whole lot in the movie as Batman, you know, like, like this is an origin story, but it's an origin story that is compelling in so many new ways. It, it's given so much more lore and background to how Bruce Wayne became Batman and why. Dealing with his own inner demons, dealing with his own fears, dealing with his own emotions, more emotional than any other Batman previous. And that's saying something because Christian Bale's not really all that emotional <laughs> as an actor. Like it's, it was, 
it was surreal almost to see a Batman movie like this because we had not seen a Batman true origin before. Like you got a little of it in 1989's Batman, but like this focusing on the entirety of it, how Batman came to be, it took what worked in the Tim Burton movies and the campy Batman movies and kept that, but got rid of the camp, got rid of the ridiculousness and uh, instead took itself uh, seriously, but not too seriously. It still had some, some wacky Batman gadgets, but they were presented in a way that made you believe that existed, that could exist. It explained how Batman was able to get all these things made with his logo on them and nobody know where it came from. It explained how people in the Wayne Enterprises organization didn't find out Bruce Wayne was Batman. And even if someone did, that secret never got out. Like, it, it was such a good, well-rounded movie that hit all the high points and all the low points at an elevated level. Like, even the worst moments of this movie are better than almost any other DC movie's high moments. It's such a good film, telling such a compelling story. And uh, it's a long movie, but you don't care, because it's so good and intense. Michael Caine, also, just a phenomenal uh, addition to the cast. Uh, it was going to be really hard to recast Al Alfred after the original uh, actor who played Alfred for those first four movies as every other character changed. He's the only constant in those first four movies. People loved him. It was going to be really hard to recast Alfred and they did a good job with Michael Caine. A perfect job in my opinion. <sighs> I, I'll, I'd go on for another 10 minutes telling you why this is the best movie, but uh, you probably already know because I'm 100% certain you've seen it. This is one of those movies where it's almost impossible to find someone who hasn't seen it uh, and almost just as impossible to find someone who didn't love it. So if by chance you haven't seen this movie, what the heck are you waiting for? Where have you been? You've been living under a rock? Get to it. And that's it, guys. That's my list of the 19 best DC movies of all time. And that list now, that, that brings us to 38 from the 19 worst yesterday and the 19 best today. And that's like all of them. That's all the DC movies, all the theatrical releases that have come out so far. But... There are potentially 19 more on the horizon. So join us tomorrow as we talk about the 19 DC EU movies coming soon. We're going to take one more quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
What's up, nerd? You digging this podcast? Well, the audio enjoyment doesn't end there. Visit LTNOnAir.com and make LTN Radio your new go-to for the best Christian rock, rap, pop, and indie, as well as our exclusive LTN shows and podcasts, some of which air on the station before they're available anywhere else. Visit LTNOnAir.com to listen now and find the link to our app. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the Backrow Morning Show as things are winding down for the day. But first, let me share with you our verse for the day. Verse for the day is Romans 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Well, the answer to that is none of those things. (laughs) Be sure to check out all of what we do online at lovethynerd.com. We've got amazing articles on all things nerdy as well as this show, LTN Radio, and our other podcasts and videos. If you'd like to directly support our mission to become a financial partner with Love Thy Nerd and specifically with LTN Radio, then please visit lovethynerd.com slash partner, and you can choose LTN Radio from the drop-down menu. Love Thy Nerd is a qualifying 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax-deductible. And make sure you're following us on all the socials. We're on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. Just search for at the back row LTN and connect with us. We'll be back. Well, I'll be back tomorrow morning for one more of these low-key shows where we will be talking about the 19 upcoming DC movies uh you know if if they happen if if wb doesn't just decide to flip everything on the script it's gonna be fun once again i'm radio matter remember if nobody else tells you we promise that it's true jesus loves you nerd